return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. That all the imaginations of our heart. So if you remember a few um, months back, our good friend George shared with us... uh, the power of our imaginations in regards to our dreams. And he encouraged us to dream big. He spoke of the immense value of vision, of being able to see what God sees for us. He took us to the story of the Tower of Babel and reminded us of God's words in Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And these are God's words. He said, behold, the people, they are one God's always impressed with unity. (laughs) They have all one language and this. Look what they've begun to do. And now nothing, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And were you able to find the Darby? Maybe I didn't give it to you. Okay, so this is what Darby translation says for that little phrase. It says, now will they be hindered in nothing that they meditate doing. Now, we know this word meditate, right? It's a big word around here. Meditating on the word of God. Getting our minds renewed by meditating, chewing on, thinking on. But look at this. It's associated with the imaginations of our heart. Now, nothing will be restrained from them, or as Darby puts it, nothing will be hindered on what they meditated doing. Notice God's recognition. This verse is really God showing us the power of our imagination. Or, as Darby put it, what they're meditating on, what we are meditating on. It is a big deal what we meditate on, friends. I mean, it might be a good thing to think, what if your thoughts were scrolled across heaven? That might help us be a little bit more conscious of what we're thinking. (laughs) It's a big deal what we allow to form in our imaginations. There is absolutely no limit to what we can do and what we can become if we can just see it and believe it. Um, However, God is not the only one concerned with our imagination, as you might realize. How did Satan get Eve to fall? Here she was, clothed in glory, perfect in every way, Communing with her creator day and night. I mean, the Bible says the cool of the day, but really the Hebrew talks about the ruach, the breath of God. I mean, she was in the presence of God all the time. Here she was enjoying the world, subduing the earth, blessed in every single way, but the enemy came. You know, we got this picture of this little snake on the ground. Some commentators say that he was just appearing as this angel of light. Who knows how he got in? I mean, we got voices coming to us from a thousand different ways, right? But here he comes with his ideas, his suggestions, his thoughts, and he plants them in her imagination. He has no authority over her. Now, you have to understand this. Satan had no authority over her whatsoever. 
Just like he has no authority over you and I. I repeat that. He has no authority over you and I. And I gave you a scripture here, didn't I, Jeremy, from Luke chapter 10. Jesus told the disciples, I give you, and we are his disciples too, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's a reference to all kinds of demonic anything. The worst of the worst. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. So listen, if all authority is given unto us over all the power of the enemy, how much does Satan have left? None. Exactly. Exactly. So here was Eve, the daughter of God, perfect in intimate communion with her creator, missing nothing, lacking nothing, every single need supplied. Yet here came the enemy with his idea. We're going to read it out of the message translation, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Because the enemy doesn't come to us in these and thous either. (laughs) The serpent was clever, it says. uh, Let's see, here it is. He spoke to the woman. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? I mean, he always is an exaggerator. The woman said to the serpent... That's not true, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent turns turns to the woman and says, you won't die. God knows the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God. You'll know everything, ranging from all the way from good to evil. This was the great deception, friends. She was already like God, missing nothing, lacking nothing. But she grabbed that thought. She came into agreement with that idea, and it became a reality to her. And whatever becomes a reality to any of us, we attach faith to, and it becomes our reality, it becomes our experience. Now, Satan has not changed his tactics one iota. It's actually how Satan himself fell. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? Can you imagine that sight someday when we see him? It's kind of like the Wizard of of Oz, right? When they pull back the curtain and say, what? It was nothing but smoke few buttons here and there. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. Hey, that's God's place, by the way. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And as you know, it didn't go so well for Satan. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, I saw Satan fall. I gave you the scripture, right? From the message again, Luke chapter 10. This is in that same passage where he had announced he was, we are all given authority and power over the power of the enemy. Jesus explained, I saw Satan fall, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. His fall from glory and all the angels that went with him were, it was sudden and it was violent. 
And listen, this is the fun part I learned just this week when I was looking at this, studying all the different words. That word, um, that, that verb for fall, I don't know how to explain it in the Greek, but anyway, it means continuous action. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? So every time we use the name, every time, friends, come on, every time, every time Satan is falling, collapsing, he has to bow to the name and the power of Jesus every time. Glory to God. We're the ones that need to be convinced of that. We're the ones that need to be persuaded. Come on, Satan knows who the champion is. We're the ones that got to figure out that we triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. So we are spirit beings who live in physical bodies, who live in a physical world, but we've been given this soul, our mind and our will and our emotions, and it's our soul that connects us both ways to the physical world and to the spiritual world, to God and to his kingdom. So if we're not experiencing those kingdom realities of peace and joy and wholeness and strength, Randon gave this example, I think, did he preach last Sunday night, wasn't it? Yeah, he gave this example about a person having their stomach in knots and being all worried and, and anxious and thinking to themselves, hey, I'm supposed to be experiencing the peace of God. I mean, that's what I'm talking about here, friends. When that is happening, it's because we've hooked into, we've become more conscious of this physical world and the things of the curse than we are of the power of God. It's just a matter of growing. We're all there, right? We're all, all going to have these little disconnects, but we have to keep working at connecting ourselves, hooking ourselves into the kingdom of God versus the, the world that we live in. We can connect with, we can draw from and become more conscious of God's world, more conscious of God's reality than we are even of the physical world. And that should be our goal. But it takes changing our imaginations, changing what we meditate on, and getting our minds renewed by the Word of God. So just the other day, I was visiting with a friend who, um, well, we hadn't seen her, we haven't seen each other for years, and so we were catching up, and we were asking about each other's kids, and then I, I just looked at her, I said, well, how are you? And she started telling me about, well, I'm facing this biopsy and possible, you know, sounds like I have breast cancer, and so I... I do some more in-depth questions, and I find out she hasn't even had the mammogram yet. Come on, friends. That's the way we leap to, we jump to, we heard, okay, maybe, so maybe. So here we are imagining the very worst. She already had figured out that she had breast cancer and that she was going to die. Listen, we have to really control what we think on, what ideas and suggestions we grab and that we take into agreement. The Bible says Jesus taught us to pray, right? As it is, well, how does it say it? Mm. Your kingdom come. May your kingdom come, every reality of your kingdom, like it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. And Pastor Dave's constantly reminding us if it's not Good, it's not from God, right? Same with our thoughts, friends. Sometimes we can think the stupid, the dumb, the, um, I don't know. You know, the lack. We, we start picturing 
um, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. I don't have enough. I'm going to die tomorrow. I got this little pain in my heart. I mean, we have to control what we're thinking about, what we're meditating on. I think it's, I know it's the Passion Translation, but I didn't give uh, Jeremy the scripture because I got so much stuff here today. Second Corinthians 10, where it talks about capturing your thoughts. Um, the Passion puts it like this. Take them like prisoners of war. Really. I mean, you've seen pictures of the prisoners of war. You've heard the stories. They don't even feed them. They don't let them out into the sunshine. Some of them, they just purposely want them to die. Well, we've got to capture those bad thoughts, those ideas that have nothing to do with the kingdom, and trash them and throw them away. We have the authority. I repeat, we have the authority. We just need to know what really belongs to us and live in that victory. So I encouraged her, and I said, hey, we got to find out what God says. we got to know who God says we are. And the big declaration we should all be making constantly is, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You know the story of the four friends, right, who brought their friend to Jesus who was paralyzed? They knew, they were convinced that if we just got him in the presence of life, of Jesus of Nazareth, he'd be healed. So what they do? They let him down. They couldn't even get in the door, right? They couldn't get in the door, but they were insistent. This, our friend has to experience the life of Jesus. So they went through the roof, and there he is in front of Jesus, and what would he expect to hear? You're healed. But Jesus did not say that. Did I give you that scripture, Jeremy? Matthew chapter 9. Now imagine you're the paralyzed guy on the mat. Okay, I just want to set the story here yet. Imagine you're the guy on the mat. You've been waiting. You've, you've got your expectations high, right? He's going to tell me I'm, I'm healed. But he doesn't. The first thing that comes out of his mouth. Oh, sorry. Good. Thank you. Like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience. Yeah, can you take us now to Matthew chapter 9? Because this is so contrary to the way we think, friends. We are just sure Jesus is just going to say, be healed. And all of a sudden, this power is going to be released. Some men brought him to the paralyzed man when Jesus saw their faith. This is what he said to the man, the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. Now, I would imagine this guy would be saying to himself, hey, come on, I didn't come to get my sins forgiven. I came to get healed. And his friends are probably thinking, what in the world? This isn't what we came for. And as you know, later, he, Jesus said, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees are having a, a conniption fit around, right? Thinking, who does he think he is? All I want you to understand today, just try to grasp, is it's one and the same. It's one and the same. Once we have the righteousness of God, once our spirits are made new, we have every kingdom reality, including wholeness, including wellness. I mean, the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. We've talked about Zoe. It means what? The Zoe life of Christ. It's safety, it's protection, it's deliverance, it's wholeness, it's forgiveness, it's deliverance. And we've talked about shalom. Oh my goodness, that word. I love that word. It's so rich and so powerful. It means 
wellness. It means harmony in all your relationships. It means forgiveness. It means prosperity. What if we understood that having our needs met is a spiritual substance, friend? It comes to us with this kingdom that is within us. So, to make a long story short, what if we meditated on that? What if we started meditating on wholeness, Mm. resurrection life, Mm. rivers of life flowing within me, power of God surging through my being? What our imagination dwells on, friends, is what is going to become real. And whatever becomes real to us is what we're going to attach our faith to. And what we attach our faith to, good or bad, is what we're going to experience. So ever since Satan, ever since his fall, Satan continues to use that same method to plant the idea, to plant the thought, to plant the suggestion. The same thing he did with Eve. To plant in a person's mind, in that get their imagination going, just to get them to come into agreement. Because, like I said, he has no authority. You're the one. I'm the one that has authority. We are the ones. But if we come into agreement, even with his rotten idea, if we come into agreement with any part of the curse, well, then it's probably going to show up in our life. So we've talked again about. The power of our words, but I, I feel like I've been amiss. Well, we, some of us, I mean, I know we're all thinking about it, but I just want to remind you this morning, we have to be aware of what's going on in our imagination. Because God, it all started with thoughts. The very creation, you, started with a thought. Can you imagine God thinking you up? Dreaming about, hmm, this woman that would have all these children, and leave this legacy, and this man. I mean, God had fun, don't you think? Dreaming up, because nobody's like you. There is nobody like you on the face of the earth. And we have the same ability God has, friends, to, with our imagination, to either manifest heaven on earth or to attach ourselves to the enemy's plans. Remember Abraham. God wanted him to kick his imagination into gear, right? Come on, we got to get this thing going. I have a plan for your life. So he takes him outside, has him look at the stars, start counting the sand on the seashore. Romans 4 talks about that. One of the good things about Abraham after all those years was that he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, he could have thought about that day and night. That woman is old. This is never going to happen. But no, he changed his meditation to God said. God said, we are going to have nations, descendants, that, that there's more than the sand and more than the stars. Hallelujah. So our minds are factories, friends, that produce life or death. Kingdom realities or the stuff of the curse. And Satan is like this salesman coming by to try to sell you a new product. Have you considered this? Have you thought about that? My one friend online, um, oh, it's so funny, because he talked about this power of consideration. And just think about the world now and the transgender business and the 
the homosexuality. I mean, how can someone actually think they're a cat? How can someone actually think they're, they're a male? They're obviously a male, but they're convinced they're a female. Friends, it happens with this power of the imagination. And considering and considering and considering, well, how come we can't consider ourselves in Christ, a participator in the divine nature, having the power of God surging through us? Glory to God. Ananias and Sapphira are another couple. Born again, spirit-filled believers, friends. Part of a church. Can you imagine being part of that first church so alive and full of power? And that there was the enemy. He planted his little thought, his little idea in their head. Because, I mean, all kinds of people. Barnabas was one of them that sold land. Why? Out of the goodness of his heart to share with the poor. And no doubt there was some recognition given out in the church, like, wow, this is tremendous. And so Ananias and Sapphira obviously had some, some, some wealth. They decided to sell some land. We don't know what idea Satan planted, but somehow he got in there. And they grabbed it, and they lied. And the word, um, let's see, I gave you that scripture, right? Acts chapter 5, verse 3, right before Ananias died. It's kind of dramatic, I know, but... Right before he died on the spot, Peter's words to Ananias is, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? It was an idea that he planted. And any thought, any idea that comes to us, we have got to constantly study it. Is this pure? Is this good? Is this... What should I be coming into agreement with? That's why, friends, if we're not in the Word, we're just not going to know. We're not going to know what's God's best. That's how Judas fell. The same scripture is, I mean, that's the same words. Satan entered his heart. The truth is, friends, that we choose. Either we use our imagination to connect with the supernatural or we allow the enemy to hook us into the curse and to devour us. Come on, Satan isn't going to knock on your door and say, hey, I'm here today to devour you. No. He sneaks in with his little thoughts and his little ideas. First uh, Peter 5.8, you know this verse. It says, be sober. Well, we often walk over that word. Oh, well, I'm not drinking. That has nothing to do with me. Yes, it does. It means be awake. Be alert. Be vigilant. Whew, vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. We have that right, friends, to refuse his lies and to refuse his suggestions. Now, the interesting thing is the verse right in front of it, verse 7, says casting... Did I give you that one? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Many translations refer, talk about anxieties, cast all your, yes, and you should. Anything that's worrying you, anything that's troubling you, your stresses, your anxieties, cast them on Jesus. But again, this is something I just recently learned. This word, care, if you look it up in Strong's Concordance, it's the root of the word is idea. 
Isn't that amazing? So start being more vigilant and careful and and casting. Isn't that a fishing word? Yeah, don't just... I mean, one of the translations actually says, roll your anxieties on Jesus. That's a good idea. (laughs) You don't want to carry them yourself, that's for sure. But how about casting them? Steve's tried to teach me how to cast, and I'm not so good at it. But you have to have this perfect throw. It's supposed to go somewhere. Get rid of those ideas that aren't from the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Train our minds. We must train our minds how to think God's thoughts. And remember, your our emotions, all of our emotions are actually signs. I mean, you know what it's like when you're in traffic and you're getting anxious and upset and you're holding on tight. Or maybe you're saying a few things. Anyway, our emotions often reveal what we're believing and what we're thinking so we can check it. If, we've been, if we're getting angrier and angrier, and we're just in our own house doing not much of anything, probably better check on what was I thinking about, right? Or if you, you can feel the hopelessness creeping up, that's another good sign. So our imaginations are God-given. We can use it to connect to the eternal, to the supernatural. We can meditate on life or we can meditate on death. We can come into agreement with every kingdom reality or we can hook into the ideas and the suggestions of the enemy. Everything around us, the media, the news, the people in our lives, I mean, we want to love them, but we can't just take in everything they say as gospel truth. That little song we used to sing, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Why? Because not everything out there is true or pure or good. Not everything out there will connect us to the kingdom and to God's best for our lives. Some of it, in fact, a whole lot of it, is the opposite. Attempts to get us to connect with, to hook up to the curse. So we want to make choices constantly. What will I believe? What will I receive? What will I come into agreement with? We want to set the imaginations of our heart to see and to hear from God. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are the true reality, the absolute true reality. Thank you for this ability you've given us to see with the eyes of our heart to comprehend by revelation kingdom realities. And thank you for meeting us exactly where we're at and taking us to the next level. I thank you, Jesus, that we make choices even today. I will meditate on the kingdom of God. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.